0: Hi listeners, today's episode is all about letting go of your ego and becoming the person you're meant to be.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey. <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well now, really, when we go back then to falling in love and say it's crazy, falling, you see, we don't say rising into love. There is in it the idea of the fall. It is goes back, as a matter of fact, to extremely fundamental things that there is always a curious tie at some point between the fall and the creation. Taking this ghastly risk is the condition of there being life. You see, for all, the life is an act of faith and an act of gamble. The moment you take a step, you do so on an act of faith because you don't really know that the floor is not going to give under your feet. The moment you take a journey what an act of faith the moment you enter into any kind of human undertaking in relationship what an act of faith you've given yourself up but this is the most powerful thing that can be done surrender love is an act of surrender to another person total abandonment i give myself to you take me do anything you like with me see so that's quite mad because you see it's letting things get out of control all sensible people keep things in control watch it watch it watch it security vigilance watch it police watch it guards watch it who's gonna watch the guards <laughs> so actually therefore the of wisdom what is really sensible is to let go is to commit oneself to give oneself up and that's quite mad So we come to the strange conclusion that in madness lies sanity. You see, the difficulty of it is this.
0: You cannot teach a selfish person to be unselfish by any means. That is to say, whatever a selfish person does, whether it be giving his body to be burned or giving all that he possesses to the poor, he will still do it in a selfish way of feeling. And... He will be able to do this with extreme cunning a marvellous self-deception and deception of others besides. But the consequences of fake love are almost invariably destructive because they build up resentment on the part of the person who does the fake loving as well as on the part of those who are its recipients. This is why the foreign aid program has been such a dismal failure. Now, of course, you may say that I'm talking in a very impractical way because you would say, well, do we just have to sit around and wait until uh, we become inwardly converted and learn through the grace of God or some sort of magic how to love, and in the meantime, do nothing about it and conduct ourselves as selfishly as we feel. There is, as a matter of fact, something to be said for that. Because the first problem in the whole of this is honesty. And the reason why the Lord God says at the beginning of things, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, is not because the Lord God is stupid, but because he's very clever. That uh, which appears to be a commandment is actually a challenge, or what in Zen Buddhism would be called a koan, a spiritual problem. Because if you exercise yourself resolutely in trying to love God, and or your neighbor, you will find that you get more and more tangled up. You will realize increasingly that the reason why you are attempting to obey this as a commandment is that you want to be the right kind of person. And obviously you want to be the right kind of person for your own reasons. And so if you do in the first place feel selfish and come to the conclusion, as a result of trying various experiments with love, that you love yourself more than anybody else, The proper thing to do is to investigate your self-love. To find out why you love yourself and what you mean by yourself when you say you love yourself. For the reason is this. Love is not something that is a sort of rare commodity. Everybody has it. The existence is love. But uh, it's like water flowing through a hose. It depends in which direction you point it. So everybody has the, the force running. And maybe the way in which you find the force of love operating in you is that you have a passionate like of booze or ice cream or uh, automobiles or good-looking members of the opposite sex or even the same sex but there is love operating and people of course tend to distinguish between the various kinds of love there are good kinds such as divine charity and allegedly bad kinds such as Uh, in quotes animal lust but it should be understood I think that they're all forms of the same thing but they differ in rather the same way that the colors of light of white light divide into the spectrum when passed through a prism so we might say that the red end of the spectrum of love is Dr. Freud's libido and the violet end of the spectrum of love is agape the what is called divine love or divine charity and that in the middle the various yellows, blues and greens are friendship, human endearment, consideration and all that sort of fellow feeling. But it's all the same thing and so the thing is first of all to get it moving, to follow whatever kind of love you have in the first place because you cannot control love until you have some to control, until you have it running. You've got to get your car running before you could learn how to drive it. You will not become a skillful driver by sitting at a still car in a garage any more than you will become a skilled dancer if you simply never move your arms and legs. And so the first thing then is to discover what indeed you do love, if anything, and you will find there is something. And then go into the nature of that. Now it said that selfish people love themselves. I would say that that is really a misunderstanding of the whole thing, because your self is something that is really impossible to love. There are various reasons for this, but one obvious reason is that loving oneself is as difficult as kissing your own lips. One's self, when you try to focus on it, to love it or to know it, is oddly elusive. It always slips away, like uh, the pursued tail of a dog who is trying to get hold of his own tail. So to pursue your own end has some difficulties about it. If you explore what you love when you say you love yourself you will make the startling discovery that everything you love is something which you thought was other than yourself. Even if it be very ordinary things such as ice cream or uh, booze, in the conventional sense booze is not you nor is ice cream. It certainly, it turns into you in a manner of speaking when you consume it. But then you don't have it anymore. And so you look around for more in order to love it once again. But so long as you love it, you see, it's never you. When you love people, even however selfishly you love them, uh, because of the pleasant sensations they give to you, still uh, it is somebody else that you love. And as you inquire into this, as you follow honestly your own selfishness many interesting transformations begin to come about in you one of the most interesting transformations of being directly and honestly selfish in the same way that for example cats are is that you stop deceiving people a great deal of damage is done in practical human relations by saying that you love people when what you mean is that you ought to and you don't really you give the wrong impression And people begin to expect things of you which you are never going to come through with. We have been taught, for example, that we ought to love our enemies. Now, we don't really understand what it means to love our enemies. We think it means to be charitable towards them in the hope that we will convert them. And so that they will cease to be our enemies. The real reason for loving enemies is that one needs enemies. They're terribly important to you. For example, I think that some of you here feel that you belong to a nice set of people. It may be an ordinary kind of bourgeois coterie of pleasant squares, or it may be a church group of some kind, a club, or a special cult, or just a group of uh, friendly drinkers. But at any rate, you feel that by virtue of membership in this society, you belong to a special in-group of nice, or saved people. Now, when you consider what nice people talk about when they sit around the dinner table and have an opportunity to nurture their collective ego, you will find that the most fascinating topic of conversation is the nasty people. How awful they are, what dreadful things they do, and what is it all coming to. And this very, very satisfactory, condemnatory conversation nurtures your ego. But people who do that don't seem to realize that they thereby depend on the nasty people in order to know that they're nice. They are, as a matter of fact, highly indebted to them. On the other side of the picture, the nasty people, they, on their side, consider that they really are the best people and could nurture their collective ego by blasting the bourgeoisie, the squares, the wasps, the know-nothings, or whoever they may be. And so for the collective ego of the non-squares the squares are extremely necessary if they were to disappear tomorrow uh, many of us would lose a cause now the minute you begin to become aware of this it's rather embarrassing it's of course humorous and i'm glad that you see this because at once you begin to realize how much you depend on an enemy or an outsider or a group of damned people is distinct from your own group of saved people. And so you begin to realize that if your collective ego or yourself depends on your being on the in, but you can only be on the in with relation to something that is out. And since the in and the out are inseparable, if there is to be any in or any out, you suddenly discover that yourself is bigger than you thought it was. It uh, includes the other. And you can't do without it. This brings about a fundamental change in the understanding of the meaning and nature of self. And thereupon there become a change of attitude to other people, even if you continue with some formal opposition to them and disapproval of them. When then you are honestly clear with yourself what you like and what you dislike And then, at the same time, yourself begins more and more to include things that were hitherto defined as being not yourself. Your love, which is what you are, begins to express itself quite naturally and unaffectedly in a wider way. Now, to trust oneself to be capable of love, to bring up love, in other words to function in a sociable way and in a creative way, is to take a risk. It's a gamble. Because you may not come through with it. And in the same way, when you fall in love with somebody else, or you form an association with somebody else, and you trust them, they may, as a matter of fact, not fulfill your expectations. But that risk has to be taken. The alternative to taking that risk is much worse than trusting and being deceived. To live together, you have to take risks. There will be disappointments and failures and disasters as a result of taking these risks. But in the long run, it will work out. My point is that if you don't take them, the results will be so much worse than any kind of wild anarchy that could be conceived. You see, here we are now as a highly disciplined human race, with all kinds of rules and religions. And what are we about to do? Blow ourselves completely to pieces. Was this all a good gamble? Because you see, in tying up love in knots and becoming incapable of it, you can't destroy this energy. When you won't love and you won't let it out, the thing comes out in the form of self-destruction. The alternative to self-love, in other words, is self-destruction. Because you won't take the risk of loving yourself properly, you will be compelled instead to destroy yourself. So which would you rather have? Would you rather have a human race which isn't always very well controlled and sometimes runs amuck a little bit, but on the whole continues to exist with a good deal of honesty and delight when delight is available. Or would you rather have the whole human race blown to pieces and cleaned off the planet, reducing the whole thing to a nice scoured rock with no dirty disease on it called life? But I repeat the point that is necessary to understand this whole thing, that love is a spectrum. There is not, as it were, nice love and nasty love, spiritual love and material love, mature affection on the one hand and infatuation on the other. These are all forms of the same energy and you have to take it and let it grow where you find it. If you find that only one of these forms exists in you, if at least you will water it, the rest of the plant will blossom as well. But the essential prerequisite From the beginning is to let it have its way.